Hi, I'm Edwin. And I'm Andrew. Sound the battle cry. Two men, 15 minutes, eternal impact. Welcome to Text Talk. For the Lord, gird your armor on, stand firm, everyone. Rest Hello, Andrew. Hello, Edwin. You ready to keep talking about Psalm 44? That's what we came to do. Uh, listen, I know, so last week was tough. We had five verses. Two of them had come from the previous psalm. We were trying to have five conversations. This week is you tough. You know what we did? There were five episodes. We made it. <laughs> we made it. We made it through. This one is tough because there's just so much here. Yeah, it's, we, a, we could, it's a long psalm. We could we could do so much more, but we're going to have five conversations on this as well, and I think we're on conversation four today. Mm-hmm. Last segment of the psalm. We haven't first, been reading the psalm every day. First day of July. It is the first day of July. Yeah. It's the first day of July. So new month, mm-hmm. same psalm. Same psalm. Psalm 44. Why don't you read that last segment, which is verses 23 through 26. Yeah. What translation are you going to read to us from I've today? I've got that here from the New International Version. Awake, O Lord. Why do you sleep? Rouse yourself. Do not reject us forever. Why do you hide your face and forget our misery and oppression? We are brought down to the dust. Our bodies cling to the ground. Rise up and help us. Redeem us because of your unfailing love. Awake, O Lord. So the psalmist thinks he's asleep. If you haven't been listening to the other episodes that go along with this, you'll know that this psalm has been talking about a really the <laughs> crying out about an unjust treatment from the perspective of the psalmist, that we are serving you faithfully, and our heart is there for you, and yet, and yet, we are being judged. Verses 1 through 8, here's how, here's all the great stuff you did for us before. Right. Verses 9 through 16, you ain't doing it no more. Mm Mm-hmm. Verses 17 through 22, it ain't fair. Yep. Now this last segment, please do what you've promised. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. We're we're asking you to live up to the covenant. That first line in this segment, though, awake, why are you sleeping, O Lord? That calls to my mind all kinds of different statements, scenarios, mm-hmm. things that happen in Scripture. The first one that comes to my mind is on the Sea of Galilee when Jesus is asleep in the boat and the apostles wake him up hollering, don't you care that we're perishing? I mean, that's a that's a very close parallel here, isn't it? I mean, the apostles were doing everything right, it would seem. Believing the Lord, transporting him across the sea to the other side, just like he said we wanted to go, and yet this terrible storm arises and they're going to drown, and the only one that doesn't seem to care is Jesus, who's asleep. And so he gets up, and I think he does something that they didn't expect. I, I When I've read that story, I don't think they're saying, oh, Lord, we know you can save us from this storm. Would you stand up and tell the sea to be quiet? No, I think that was a stunner. <laughs> I, I think they thought, Jesus, hey, look, we need an extra hand here. Let's yeah. start bailing Let's water. Bail water. Don't you care? Don't you care? You need to pitch in. Yeah. And so when he wakes up and, an he, or. and he says, I was about to say hollers out. I don't know if he hollered, but he uh, he says, Peace be still. Mm-hmm. I feel he probably said it loud enough for all the people in the boat to hear it, and that's all as loud as it needed to be. But peace be still, and it ceased. Suddenly. It stopped. Mm-hmm. And not only did the rain stop and the wind stop, but even the waves stopped. I mean, yeah. that's pretty thorough. It pretty was thorough. doldrums. And then he turned to the apostles, and I think he had a question for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, hey, you, what, what happened to your faith? Ooh. Oh, you have little faith. Oh, you have little faith. What an interesting thing. So I don't know if we would step back to these folks writing Psalm 44, if a response at the end of this from God might be, 
OU of a little faith. Of course I care. Of course we're going to deal with this storm. But sometimes we go through storms. So another episode that comes to mind of this business about a wake up, where are you? Um, episode of text talk or just an episode that is an event? When you say episode, I'm what do you mean there? I mean a historical count recorded for us in the <laughs> Historical account Kings. or a hysterical account? No. I, I don't know. We've had both of those this week. So when you think about Elijah and the prophets ah, of Baal, First okay. Kings chapter 18, and the prophets of Baal in their attempt to get Baal to answer the test by sending fire down, they are yelling, they are, to use your word, hollering, they're even cutting themselves and bloodletting, crying out all day long for Baal to answer them and send fire. And it is in the taunts of Elijah that he says to them, Maybe you should cry out a little louder. Surely he's asleep. Cry out a little louder. Maybe he's gone away on a journey and he can't hear you. This was the kind of words, frankly, of doubting. Why well, this is the kind of thing you'd say about a, about a God that's not real. Yeah. This is the kind of thing you'd say about a God that's not out there, that's not listening. That's And in that, and in that instance, the contrast is made. The true and living God is near and he does answer. And there is a God in Israel. Which brings up that just stark struggle we've been having this whole psalm of why does God even allow this to get yeah. to be said? Yeah. Uh, but he does. You know, yeah. they bring it up, wake up, rise up. Of course, it's not the first time we've seen them ask God to wake up or rise up. That actually started well, early on no, that's right. in the psalms. It also makes me think, just as you bring up that issue about Elijah and the prophets of Baal and Isaiah's prophecy in Isaiah 40. Um, verse 29, as it talks about God, he gives power to the faint, to him who has no might, he increases strength. Uh, he says, even the youths shall faint and be weary. But he had mm. said in the previous verse, God does not faint and grow weary. Right. God doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He doesn't need to rest. So whatever's going on here, God is not asleep. Mm-hmm. God, it's not that we've been praying and praying and praying and you haven't been hearing because you're off on a journey or you're asleep or you're resting or you just needed some time off. And man, I sure hope he gets off of his vacation before this nation totally wipes us out. <laughs> right. None of that. None of that. And yet they still come back and they, and they, this is the prayer. Arise, wake, stop rejecting us, stop hiding your face. Don't forget our affliction. Don't forget our oppression. Um, I will say in verse 25, our soul is bowed down to the dust. Our belly clings to the ground. I don't know why, but that our belly clings to the ground actually makes me think of one of the very first curses in the Bible. Oh. When the serpent is sent mm-hmm. away. Uh, on your belly you shall go, yeah. eating the dust of the ground. Eating it's, the dust. Here's yeah. this picture of this is how bad it is. It's like we are cursed. It's like we are the 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 serpent that is being stomped on and sent away in the dust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Please stop doing that. And so then there's the final plea. And here's here's a little bit of the verse twenty six. Yeah. The rise up, rise up, come to our help. Redeem, Redeem us because of your unfailing love. For the sake of your steadfast love. That's our chesed word. Okay. Chesed. We've we've done the chesed a few try times. To, try to get that out properly. That's that's this unfailing love. The, the love in the name of Yahweh. Mm-hmm. When Yahweh descends to Moses and walks before him and proclaims his name, this is the love that he declares. Yahweh, Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love mm-hmm. and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands. Right. 
forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the sons to the third and fourth generation. Here is that steadfast love. Once again, when we get to the very end of the psalm, we find that this is a meditation on the name of Yahweh, Mm -hmm. of his steadfast love. This is what you have declared yourself to be. This Mm -hmm. is a prayer Mm -hmm. to God. God, be who you are. Yeah. Act the way you act. Because the way things have been going on right now, that's not you. That's not who you are. That's not who you've declared yourself to be. In fact, when we see this very last line, I think we see a subtle declaration of the psalmist's motivation. Okay. Why is the son of Korah offering this prayer? It is not redeem us for the sake of our incredible obedience. Although they are saying they are obedient. He's talking about the covenant they've kept. It's not redeem us because we deserve it. It's not Mm -hmm. redeem us or we'll abandon you. It's redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. This is who you are. Your steadfast love needs to be praised. It needs to be glorified. The nations among whom you are scattering us, they need to see your steadfast love. Mm -hmm. And so for for the sake of that, it's not for the sake of proclaiming our obedience. It's not for the sake of proclaiming our faithfulness. It's for the sake of proclaiming yours. God, you will look bad. If you don't act according to your steadfast love. And the purpose of his people among those nations was to shine among them, to make his name name known. Here is his people. They are in this land that he has given, the one who keeps his promises, the true and living God. Okay, so that should say something to us, I think, Andrew, about when we face persecution. It certainly should. And I think it says something about what we should be praying and why should we why we should be praying and what our motivation should be. Because typically when I'm in a place of suffering, my motivation is, Lord, deliver me from this so that I can have more convenience. Some kind of relief. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's I'm that's what I'm thinking about. I when I offer these kinds of prayers, it's so very rarely I'm confessing me. I'm not trying to confess everybody else here. It's so very rarely, God, what I'm mostly thinking about is you and your reputation and how you look to the people. I'm typically thinking about me. Yeah. Okay. I know what you, you should say to that. I, I See, that's I when you're supposed to confess one of your deep, dark secrets, but you never do. It's, it's just... Well, <laughs> that's okay. You know, my, my mind again is still, and I'm, I guess I'm just a little distracted because of some text I've been reading, but um, there are there are brethren facing really, I mean, just terrible hardships right now and, and physical persecutions. And, uh, you know, my, my heart goes out for them. I, I want I want these things to cease uh, for their good. I, you know, I God will be glorified in all things. Um, but, you know, I, I I want them to do well and I want them to be spared. I want that. I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with that. You know, what John, when he's writing, talks about in one of his letters, how glad he is when he hears that his children of the faith are prospering and in good health. Yeah. I I know there's also the prayer where Paul talked about, was it Epaphroditus who was healed because God knew that Paul would have sorrow upon sorrow. Yeah. So I do not want to remove the idea that we can have our own concerns. I don't want to remove that. However, I, I think... And I, and I, you know, I guess I'll say this because I don't think it's just me that's on this one. I think that the emphasis we see in Scripture 
is not on my sorrow upon sorrow and is not on I want well for everyone who around me. The emphasis in Scripture is I want God to be glorified. This other is also allowed. This other is not a, a sinful motivation. I fear, though, that the emphasis of modern motivation on most prayers flip-flops it. We all know it's supposed to be about God's glory, but prayer is about getting the things I want so that I can be comfortable and and so that I can have ease and leisure and pleasure. And I don't, yeah. you know, I'm not sure that I'm always honest with myself about it. And I'm just trying to to highlight that what we see here is ultimately the subtle motivation, the subtle declaration of motivation is God, your steadfast love is on the line here. Your your declaration of who you are is being judged. Uh, it's, it was Moses' prayer. When when he was when God was going to wipe out right. Israel, yeah. Hey, look at what the nations will say about yeah, this. That's right. But that whole scenario, I think, was more about Moses needing to realize that than about reminding God about it. Well, yeah. I mean, how, how do you remind an omniscient being about anything? <laughs> well, I, that's, that's kind of why I think that was more about Moses than reminding God. You know, God is a, God keeps His covenant. Um, and, and there's different ones spoken of in the scriptures. I, I was we, we were talking about the flood uh, in a vacation Bible school we did here recently at uh, Livingston, and uh, thinking about the rainbow. You know, when the rainbow's in the clouds, why has God placed that rainbow there according to Genesis chapter nine so that He would look on it and He would remember that He would not destroy the world with a great flood water again. You know that that there's not been another global flood is a testament that God sees the rainbow and He remembers his covenant. It's a reminder. Again, why does an omniscient being need to be reminded? There's a lesson for us in that rainbow as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I I think the idea there is the fact that we are seeing that God is making sure to know. Yeah. It's it's really that reminder for us. Well, tough psalm. Tough (laughs) psalm. But listen, God's steadfast love is amazing. Yeah. And we'd like to know what you think of God's steadfast love, what you're learning from the Psalms. If we can help you out, if you've got any questions or anything you'd like to share with us about what you're learning from the Word of God, you can email us at texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. Texttalk at christiansmeethere.org. Let's wrap up with a prayer. Holy God, thank you for being you. Thank you for being merciful and gracious. Thank you for being slow to anger. Thank you for abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Thank you for forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. And thank you, Lord God, even for the fact that you will by no means clear the guilty. We love you, and we're thankful that you are who you are, and we pray that you would strengthen us to be like you. May we hang on to you no matter what else is happening in our lives, knowing that nothing separates us from your steadfast love. It's through your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for talking about the text with us today. I'm Edwin Crozier, and I'd like to invite you to join the Christians who meet on Livingston Avenue in Lutz, Florida, this Sunday for our Bible classes and worship. You can find out more at christiansmeethere.org. Check out our daily written devotional that goes along with today's episode. You can find a link for it in our show notes. Michael Eldridge sang all four parts of our theme song, You can get more from him at acapeldridge.com. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Text Talk in your favorite podcast app so others can find it and learn about it more easily. Have a fantastic day. Steady, pass the word along. Onward, forward, shout aloud, Hosanna. Christ is captain of the mighty throne.